Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 92. Uh, we are your hosts, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hey guys, how are you guys doing today? What's up? What, in one more week, we're going to have turkey. I know, yeah. I can't wait. Okay, I went to Target <laughs> yesterday. And I was like, okay, I went to Target for toilet paper. Yeah. But as I was driving to Target, I had to go to the bank. And the bank is next door to Trader Joe's. There was a line around the Trader Joe's outside and around the freaking building. Ew. I was like, okay, I'm not going to Trader Joe's. Then in the same parking lot, there is a Walmart. Um, one of those, mm -hmm. I don't know what they're called, uh, neighborhood Walmarts or something where it's just food. It's not all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. There was a line of people out front of Walmart. I was like, oh, no, am I going to have to wait in line for Target? So I go to Target and the Target I go to happens to be next door to a Ralph's. There was a line outside of Ralph's. Ugh. So there was no line in Target. So I just went into Target. I was like, okay, I'm just going to buy my Thanksgiving stuff here. And whatever it is I can't get at Target, I don't need it because I am not standing in line um, <laughs> at those other places. And it turned out all for the best because Target did not even have any toilet paper. So <laughs> I would have gone there for nothing. It was just like the beginning of the end times when it happened in March. Mm -hmm. For the first time, the entire freaking shelf of paper towels and toilet paper was completely empty. The only thing there that they had was some flushable butt wipes. <laughs> you know, the same thing happened to me on Friday. I went to Sam's and Costco, the ones in Torrance that are next to each other. And um, yeah, there was absolutely no toilet paper in both of them. Not one. It was that whole area was like completely um, there's just nothing there. Nothing. Yeah, I was like, saying this and I'm looking at like two piles of toilet paper right now <laughs> that I think my father went to go buy. Uh, uh -huh. And so we're good. We're Gucci. Uh, <laughs> but you saying this just that I was planning to go grocery shopping tomorrow to prepare for yeah. Thursday. Oh my god. I, I don't know. I'm probably going to have to fight off some old lady for a turkey or some shit. That's yeah, fine. mentally prepare yourself before you go. And honestly, I was telling Eddie, oh, well, maybe I'll just go on Monday because people who have to work during the week probably are trying to get it all taken care of on the weekend anyway. So I was hoping that maybe the crowds were going to be a little bit smaller. But given that I was already there and I was already like in the in the mindset of okay i'm here to shop yeah. i was like i'm just gonna knock it out i don't want to have to come go back yeah and, and and also some people take the whole week off so so i was That's like true. i told yeah i was like i i told eddie if um if it wasn't at target we didn't need it to, as a side dish because <laughs> it was and all yeah. the only thing i honestly care about anyway is stuffing and mashed potatoes so i got to, that taken care of so <laughs> i already have stuffing so i what i was gonna my plan was that i was gonna make a beef broth thing that i could to use on later 
So I wanted mm-hmm. to get ingredients for beef broth, which means beef bones. So I'm probably going to have to yeah. go to a butcher and not just like the regular like <laughs> store. Jen, uh-huh. I need to get ingredients for beef broth, which means beef bones. Kristen, I need to get ingredients for beef broth, which means that carton in the aisle that says beef broth. <laughs> no. I'm talking about <laughs> homemade beef <laughs> I'm probably gonna go to the butchers anyway to like see if I can get like a fresh turkey or order a fresh mm. turkey that I can just pick up on Thursday. Uh, because oh, weren't you the ones who were telling me or was those chickens, those magic white ones or black ones, mm-hmm. black ones? Yeah, Were those chickens or turkeys? There's chickens, the black chickens. Oh, okay, yeah. the black skin yeah. chickens. You can get them in certain um uh, butcher shops. Uh, Interesting. But yeah, I'm probably gonna order a, a turkey from a from like a proper butcher too, because uh-huh. I don't really like store turkeys. Um, uh, they're like one, they're usually frozen, and two, they usually yeah. taste like ass. So, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so well, I don't know about ass turkey, but I'm getting mine from uh, Honey Baked because I wanted ham, and then I saw that they actually had turkey breasts so mm-hmm. i'm like might as well go big so we're yeah. doing our meats from honey baked and then we're just gonna do our sides yeah so. that's awesome yeah i actually decided to um make oh, make make the mac and cheese in the slow cooker Ooh. but then i was looking at pinterest at the ingredients and I didn't have uh, two of the cheeses that it was asking for, and then I saw like the whole parking lot of Costco and Sam's, like. <laughs> yeah. And so then, so then, what I ended up doing is going back to Lucille's and just ordering their mac and cheese. You That's know what? Uh, you know what? Next year, I swear, remind me that I said a year ago that <laughs> I wanted to do Thanksgiving from Lucille's because it sounds so convenient, and I know I like Lucille's food, and I would even throw in some ribs for oh, good yeah. measure. Oh yeah, that <laughs> yeah, is they sell them by the pound. It. Yes, yeah, yeah, they totally sell them by the pound, so you could get like a pound of ribs, a pound of ham, a pound of turkey, and you're set. <laughs> uh, so this morning, because I knew I had already grocery shopped, I was doing some YouTube uh, searches on garlic, roasted garlic mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. so that I could like find a good recipe. Oh, I was in bed drooling, <laughs> watching all the all the recipes, and it seemed like no matter which one I watched, um, the special ingredients was a cup of shredded parmesan at the end uh, mm. mixed in. So I was like, ooh, I didn't get that at the store. I don't know if it's worth it for me to go back. <laughs> you know, I'm mightily tempted to go to Bay Cities and buy the parmesan that they have there because I'm pretty sure it's real um, parmesan. Yeah, uh, for sure. Their cheese is good. Yeah, and because if I go to like someplace else, I'm not sure if they have real parmesan. And I'm, I'm like... Bay Cities is like an Italian deli, and I'm pretty sure I can like knock out a couple things. But I'm also sure it's gonna be packed AF, as oh, as usual. always. Yeah. Pro tip: when a when a recipe asks for shredded Parmesan, it's not the stuff in the green container no, that you put on top Parmesan, of your pizza. Yeah. Ask me how I know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. This was pre-Eddie. I oh, tried okay. to make 
fettuccine alfredo using that parmesan in the yellow container i don't even know what the what the <laughs> But the basically the shred, grated parmesan that like you put on top of your pizza and you can buy it at at the market in a little green cylinder. Yes. I, don't, I bought that because the recipe recipe said grated parmesan. I'm like, okay, it says grated parmesan right here on the container. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't work, and then I was like, oh, like, I mean, this was pre like. I in college I was making Kraft macaroni and cheese and top ramen, mm -hmm. so I didn't know that Parmesan came like that. <laughs> like, cause as growing up, all we ate was cheddar cheese and government cheese. So, government <laughs> cheese. so I didn't know. <laughs> Very different oh. things. <laughs> you could you could always go to Giuliano's. They they have Parmesan. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that's I don't know a good what that idea. Is. And they wouldn't, it's like Bay Cities, but here in the South Bay. Oh, yeah. okay. They have it's one a, in it's Torrance. It's Italian Dally. Yeah, they have one in Torrance and one in Gardena, but um, I'm sure it's not going to be as, 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 crowded. as crowded as, you know, Target or Ralph's right. or any of that. Trader, Trader Joe's. Joe's. Good yeah. idea. Mm -hmm. That's where I get my stuff. Like if, uh, if I want to get rolls or bread or anything like that, like that's where I go. It's delicious. They do a really great job. They have a lot of great uh fresh ingredients there so Ooh. i'm always happy oh i'm hungry again me <laughs> too <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well on that note que hora es kristen <gasps> already yes already es la hora de la cervecita Ooh, and i'm so excited about it today because it is a beer from my very absolute favorite brewery ever 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 and that is allagash brewery which is a brewery that is located on the east coast in maine so in uh in portland maine so um this here is going to be a treat for me because I've pretty much tried almost every single Allagash there is um, Belgian ale style, but yeah. this is a stout. It is an Allagash North Sky. And on the beer can it says, like a clear night lit by stars, this silky Belgian inspired stout balances light notes of fruit and sweetness with roasty malt. Inspired by late evenings spent around a crackling campfire, North Sky is brewed to merge lightness and darkness into a super sippable stout. And my mind is blown. Like, okay, so the reason why Allagash is my favorite is because their brews are all Belgian inspired. Um, they're all uh, Belgian type brood I, I when I when I want to say uh, Belgian is uh, like they Belgian ales and beers are like brewed a certain way and that's why monkish was one of my favorites here in the um, South Bay because when they very 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 first started out that's all they brewed that was like their their niche they brewed Belgian style beers and then they couldn't keep up with all the IPA people and so they started branching out and now they have fucking all kinds of California different stuff. and its stupid fucking IPAs. Why god fucking damn it we really are the bastion of the fucking hippies. So um 
So it's very interesting to me to I've never seen a Belgian inspired stout, but that doesn't mean that I they don't uh, exist uh, in the greater beer uh, community. I just don't necessarily drink stouts a lot, so um, I'm really looking forward to trying this out. So Sarah, where did you find this one? I found this one at Torrance Craft Beer Cellar. Okay. Um, uh, I was just uh, I. I was struck by the can because obviously it looks like fall, like mm -hmm. the winter sky. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So I saw it and I was like, oh shoot, a stout, oh shoot, Allagash. So I was like, okay, <laughs> you got my attention. So um, um, so I was like, yes, let's try it. I'm sure Kristen's never tried this before. She's never mentioned it. It's a 7.5 and it says, uh, brewing for the good of our community, employees, and environment. So good stuff all around so yeah we um it hasn't really felt really like fall yet i mean we still it's still hot during the day yeah. so like i thought that this would be kind of like a good kind of mood setter for fall and and uh and we're already like uh thanksgiving is upon us so i thought this i would be know really good. Yep. yeah so give it a try guys okay i haven't opened mine yet i'm opening mine right now Ooh. oh that's very interesting it smells not like a stout, so it's already a point for me. <laughs> <laughs> really, it smells... At first it didn't, I, but then smelling it more, it smells a little bit like coffee, as is most Well, stouts. see, I get confused. One is coffee, the other is not as much. Which one is it? Porter, stout? Is it porter, is it the coffee? I think Stout's it's, the coffee? I don't remember. I want to say... I think it might stout. be porter. They both taste like it to me, but... <laughs> I think stouts okay. have less, porters have more. Well, I've tasted it. I taste the coffee. I taste the coffee. I mm -hmm. taste a little bit of hint of chocolate. Um, but it's not milky. Like, it's not thick. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's lighter on the lighter side. And I, I can see how that could be kind of a Belgian style stout is it's a lot lighter it's uh more refreshing it's not really uh sit around the campfire and drink this beer well it does it it does describe it as being super sippable and i have to agree mm -hmm. um it very much is and the taste of it on the fore front and the back um is not really overpowering it's kind of just it, it doesn't get more robust at the end like some beers or stouts do it's kind of just like uh, a flat line all the way across yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You, that's a perfect way of describing it the taste the, that you get on initial sip is the taste that stays throughout the whole thing so it's yeah. it's very um uh, there i guess there's no like surprises in this beer but mm -mm. not in a bad way um it's really funny that you guys mentioned that you can taste the coffee because the coffee taste is not what I initially tasted. Uh, uh, I tasted fruitiness first. Uh, and really? Interesting. It, yeah, um, it's kind of hard to explain, but I used to have this coffee that I really, really liked that advertised itself as the strongest coffee in the world. Um, wow. I think it. I think it's called... <laughs> oh, God. It... Oh, Death Wish Coffee. It was called Death Wish Coffee. And how that coffee tasted was 
delicious beyond compare. It was really, really good. But it was the first time I had ever had coffee that said that it had used cherries in the roasting process. Ooh. Oh, wow. Uh, like cherries, like uh, cocoa nibs and all this other stuff. Uh, while they like that they used in conjunction with roasting the coffee and the coffee beans and all that stuff. This is what this tastes like to me a little bit. It's mm. like a watered down version of that coffee. And so like I can like and when that coffee I used to drink it black because I like enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot mm. and it tasted good uh with just straight up black because you could get the coffee but also all these other tastes as well. Uh and this is what this tastes like to me. It tastes like that watered down version and it's not coffee the initially that I taste. It's kind of that fruitiness that reminds me of cherries that in that coffee. Interesting. So, it does say on here that uh, it has notes of fruit and sweetness. Mm-hmm. Um, all I taste is the coffee. S- interesting side note. I feel like people who drink their coffee black have it in them, uh, within them to kill a man. <laughs> so that well, I, I didn't say it, but there you go. But yes, I used to drink my coffee black. Uh, I don't anymore because I realized that I was drinking too much dark coffee too often while I was at UCLA and that it was actually mm. triggering anxiety in me. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So I had to, I had to uh, cut myself off and it's very, very sad. I, I <laughs> it was a sad day for me. I, I was just yeah. like, if I have, if I'm going to drink coffee, it's going to have to be with like milk and sugar and cream. Which I don't mind. I like I like sweet things, but also uh, rip. <laughs> so I have the potential to kill a man, but we'll see. Just I I want this I want this noted. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's I I'm really really liking this. I really like the can too. I had mentioned to Kristen and. Uh, before I don't think you I think you went to go fetch the beer for yourself Sarah uh-huh. that um, um, looking at the can I just I really really miss not having a telescope on hand because uh, part I at El Camino I was part of the astronomy club and we would go on trips and stuff like that but also there was a dedicated like telescope that students could use um, uh, if you were in an astronomy class and there was some students who had their own and sometimes they would bring it and we could we would like go get permission and go to the top of the building and do stargazing and i really really miss that um uh, and just looking at the at at the can itself i was just all like i was just hit with nostalgia for that uh and just how it looked and how, um uh, and so i already had a good impression of the beer Wow. <laughs> Before I even took a drink of it. But Yeah, you know what? Not until you started talking about it did I actually realize that I thought it was just like a I don't know, cool design with dots on it, but it's actually a forest, a tree lined forest and then the night sky with all of the um constellations yeah. in the background it is and, and i didn't actually realize that until you start talking about yeah. it yeah and it actually has it has the big dipper and it has like yeah, other uh-huh. constellations on there as well uh it they're a bit distorted so i can't tell besides the main one the big dipper over here but it's 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 a very it's a very pretty can and mm. i really really like the taste of it i like like i i would never thought i'd say that it tastes 
tasting like watered down coffee is a good thing, but in this case, it is. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so are we ready to rate it? Yeah. Sure. So just as a reminder to everybody, our rating system is a five-point rating system with a one being a flaccid, a two being initial, three being partial, a four being full, and a five out of five being rigid, and a six out of five, if it is off the charts, is a super saiyan. So Sarah, what would you rate this beer? Um. Well, it's definitely a Belgian style stout uh where it's like the the aromas and the taste doesn't hit you and over the head mm-hmm. um i'm gonna go partial because i liked it but it's not something that i would buy again i would definitely drink it again but i wouldn't particularly buy it again <laughs> for free <laughs> for free yes beer share you have this i'll drink it you know um but yeah no it didn't Wow me the art definitely wowed me on the can. That was very very good. Um but I wasn't um I wasn't like particular I mean I don't dislike it, but it's not something that I'm willing to buy again. It's not your flavor. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so I am biased and partial to Allagash. I do not like stouts. I love the can. Um, but with all that being said, I'm going one point higher than Sarah, and I'm giving it a full. Uh, she gave it a three out of five. I'm giving it a four out of five. I really liked it. Uh, I would buy this again, um, because it is a stout that I could, I could buy a six pack of and share it with Eddie. And that, it doesn't happen often. I have to buy six pack for him and a six pack for me because he likes quarters and stouts and I generally don't but this is one that I think I would definitely be able to do and a 7.5 is nothing to sneeze at it's very respectable mm-hmm. <laughs> very respectable for a stout and for a beer <laughs> yes alright this is Jen and I um, I'm gonna go with Kristen I'm gonna give it a full uh, I really like the can or I like how it tastes I like how it made me feel nostalgic for those uh, astronomy trips and stuff like that. Um, as is, it's um, uh, it's I I don't know if that kind of like full like flat note taste is for the best. I feel like they could have done something like more with it. Uh, but I, I do genuinely like it. So it's going to be a full for me. The longer I'm drinking it, because I'm still drinking it and taking sips, the sweeter it's getting, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a lot of complexity there in it that um, doesn't come out right away. And your uh, your palate kind of, uh, I think, gets used to it and then starts to appreciate the nuances so um i like i said i definitely would try it again so that's two four out of fives and one three out of five for allagash north sky all right guys it's time for cheese de la semana and today i bring you some juicy cheese man this is sarah guys and i bring on to you which is probably not cheese at all because it's all over the internet. Everybody's super happy about this, but <laughs> you guys, 
Wonder Woman 1984 will debut debut both on HBO Max and in theater in theaters as well. We get to see Wonder Woman um all on Christmas Day, and uh, Warner Brothers announced that uh, it'll be available on HBO Max um on December the 25th. On the same day, it will open in all you in uh, many the U.S. theaters that are not closed. And you don't have to pay extra to watch this movie. If you are already subscribed to HBO Max, you will get to see this movie. And it's actually going to stream for a month at no additional cost to subscribers. Cool. So that is absolutely amazing news. Um, uh, they're saying that they have to navigate these unprecedented times to be innovative and keeping the business moving forward. And um, that's amazing because um i think what they did with mulan is they charged an extra 35 dollars in order for you to for the first couple of months that was yeah. disney plus yeah that yeah. was that was like okay maybe ten dollars maybe i don't know even twelve dollars which is the price of a ticket ticket but yeah 35 dollars was ridiculous mm -hmm. and i'm like and there were people out there paying for it because they wanted to see their Disney movie before anybody else. But I was like, oh my gosh, it put it put a bad taste in my mouth for Disney for being so greedy. But also, I kind of understand, like you're saying, unprecedented times. Like, a lot of work went into this movie and they're trying to get their money back and, you know to the the people who worked on it and the people who i don't know the investors i don't know how that stuff works i understand that <laughs> part but still like 35 dollars is a lot of money actually yeah, definitely they're uh speaking of that they it might not be available in la county in theaters because um la <laughs> in yeah. california yeah. It has seen a rise in COVID, and they oh right yeah, yeah. they've done a 10 p.m. curfew, and they just announced that they are uh, to um uh, no more outdoor dining, outdoor dining. Oh no! Yeah, this is just this is breaking news. I get alerts from LA Times, but yeah, um, okay for three weeks. Uh, outdoor dining has been suspended. It's only takeout or delivery. Yeah, so yeah. next after that, it's going to be, I think it's going to be movie theater. So I don't think it's going to be available in California anytime soon. Well, I don't think LA County's movie theaters are open anyway. yet, but I know Orange County and Riverside mm -hmm. are, I think. Maybe so. not yeah, well, LA it's County, it, yeah. They said it'll be opening at the li the limited theaters that are open. Mm -hmm. So I, they, they just said, like, check what your area has allowed for in theaters but the good news is if you i mean hbo max i think is really you know like knocking it out of the park right now all the just get the free program. trial bro yeah don't get it like, dude. but there's so many great shows coming out on hbo max as well so mm -hmm. like i think it's worth the subscription they have a lot of good movies as well so I'm really excited. I have so many subscriptions and so many things that are to watch. And I know all the things we talk about that are going to HBO Max sounds so good. But I'm like, ugh, I need to quit my job and just be here watching TV <laughs> to get my money's worth. Yeah. And then play my my Switch and then play my Facebook games and play yeah. my PS4. Oh, my gosh. Like, I'm, like, super booked up. 
Yeah. Also, guys, uh, um, also on my chisme is Marvel's Black Panther, uh, the sequel start is going to begin shooting July in July. Um, 2021, yeah. Yeah, in 2021, they're entering their busiest year ever as uh, Disney. They're pushing a lot of movies. They're pushing a lot of TV shows. Uh, mostly all the cast has uh, already said that they're going to be expected to return. But there is still no word on who they're going to cast or if they're going to cast a new Black Panther. Well, I don't think they will. Not, I mean, not to take over the T'Challa no, name, I don't think they will. Like, mm-hmm. there'll be a Black Panther because that's the, the legacy. of the movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the legacy. And if you fought, read the comics, um, there were multiple Black Panthers. Um, yeah. But I, I can't see them casting someone to be T'Challa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what what they're think what we're all thinking because this nothing has been said, we're thinking that Leticia Leticia Wright is gonna be made who who is Suri mm-hmm. may t- may take on the mantle. Yeah. Uh, but they're definitely Disney has already said they're not gonna CGI um, uh, Bozeman in in the T'Challa part. So I mean I'm. I mean, I'm excited they're going to film a new movie. I'm saddened because, you know, our Black Panther passed away. But I'm excited to see what they're going to do. And, and um, the same director's coming back on to... Uh, Ryan um, Coogler, yeah. Yes, he's going to uh, uh, direct uh, the sequel. So I'm really excited about that. I know it's going to be a great movie. Uh, but I, I can't wait to know what's going to happen. Are they definitely not CGI for sure? But I want to know if Suri's going to take on the mantle or if they're going to. I don't know where they're going with this. So I'm like, I, I'm, I'm excited to see. I'm, I'm on the seat of my, uh, on the edge of my seat, to, so to speak, because um, because it was a great movie. It, it was a great movie, and for them to still take on and do the sequel, I'm just, I just can't wait to see what they do with this. So that's why it's on El Chisme de la Semana. <laughs> All right, guys, it's time for our book review, guys. What are we reviewing today? So today we are reviewing Monster Matador, which is... Hold on. Where did I leave it? (laughs) I know I brought it here with me. (laughs) Well, this is actually kind of a revisitation of this book because we reviewed this a long time ago, but... Reading, remembering what I remember of that one, and then reading the one we read. I mean, they were different stories, right? I mean, similar, similar concept. I mean, not similar. It was the exact same concept, but the stories themselves were completely different, save for basic baseline premises. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monster Matador, uh, single father, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, carrying on his his legacy that kind of thing but the story itself i did not recognize as one that we'd read before um Uh, one of the things i saw is that the characters and actually the look of the characters still remains the same like the names of the characters and even new characters were introduced in this one uh but i feel what it felt like to me is that he had over 10 issues of the very first run of Monster Matador. 
and we were not really excited about it because a lot of the story could have been cut into um, maybe one or two issues instead of like five issues for the storyline and we were not really happy with the, the way some of the artwork that had um that was in the comic and also how he handled his relationship with his daughter um all of that is in this new revamping of the story and i think it's wonderful so what you're saying is is that komasi comics rewrote this comic (laughs) (laughs) okay look i I don't know man i'm gonna take a little credit on that one Uh, So, the story is set in a near future where monsters appear suddenly and without warning, bringing death and destruction. And Ramon Alejandro Estevez Guerrero roams the earth, fighting these monsters in memory of his late wife and to make a better world for his daughter. He is the monster matador. <laughs> nice. So, <laughs> I like that. Issue number one. So, um, let's not even go over the, the first uh, review of the first monster matador run because it has. I don't even remember. Yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with this new first issue that was kickstarted and funded, and that's why mm-hmm. we have it. In our little ha- greasy little hands, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, first of all, the issue has a really beautiful glossy cover finish, um, and then it has very rich colors and artwork inside. Um, I think they did an excellent job in re- revamping Monster Ma- Matador. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually open up the story. I didn't know where it was going, but actually, we open up the story where his daughter is a little bit older. And um, and she is asking about her dad and such. And so his uncle, her uncle says, you know, he's out there fighting uh, for our people. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's fighting mm-hmm. for survival. So basically, um, he is out there fighting the good fight in order for uh, people to survive against these monsters, these mutated monsters. Um, because basically what they're saying is that what world would I be living in if I like did not fight against these monsters in order for humanity to prosper? Which mm-hmm. I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. So this is Jen, and I remember that review. <laughs> it was actually one of uh, our early reviews when we were first getting started. It was. Uh, yeah, I remember reviewing uh, indie comics, and I remember mm-hmm. that I said that. Uh, I believe it was either this one or another one that I said is that he needed a he needed an artist because I believe he had drawn it himself before and that he needed um, either an editor or something like that something along those lines uh, I had liked the idea but I had not liked how it had been executed and I believe I said as much but this is a completely different book and I mm-hmm. really liked it. Uh, I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, mostly because there is... It's kind of like Godzilla meets like a military movie or something like that. But make it, <laughs> but make it Latinx. And uh-huh. yes. like, 
I, I want, it's, it's like, you've got your kaijus and stuff like that, so you got, like, the monsters and stuff like that. You got, like, this dude going on his journey to avenge, like, uh, the, I guess, I think his wife, I remember his wife being killed in the first one, but mm -hmm. uh, now in the second one, it's just alluded to, we don't really know, but we get the impression that his wife was killed by these monsters, and now he's fighting out for, like, to protect his daughter and stuff like that, so you got, like, kind of, like, like the most like military soldier stories that I've seen that are like that, but it's with a matador, which is mm -hmm. I don't think people really like understand the matador culture because it's a very one it's it's very Spanish, but it has made its way into like other Hispanic cultures like in Mexico and Guatemala and stuff like that. We know what a matador is, and mm -hmm. it's a it's a highly respected uh profession. And a very dangerous one too. Yeah. Um, uh, these the people here are kind of the people who are matadores are viewed with kind of like it's not hero worship, but it's definitely kind of like wow, they're like really brave and they're like really skilled and stuff like that. It's very unique uh, to Latinx culture and to and to Spain's culture as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so. I know there's like a whole debate about if what matadores do is like is is like ethical humane. or humane yeah. and stuff like that. But the bottom line is is that it is something that even I myself would be like, oh, matador, that's interesting. Like that's like, uh, it's like it's I I would see someone who does that very respectfully because of the culture that I'm from and stuff like that. Uh, and to bring that to a comic book, I think is. It, it's it was the first time we read it I was just like I don't think you really know what a matador does uh, or like how they did it I think that was one of my issues with it was that it it was just kind of like this dude who didn't like who was trying to like who said he was a matador but he didn't really know what that meant um, uh, so but this one he's definitely done his research and stuff like that from in the beginning when you see the guy helping the matador fight giving him a sword like throwing a sword up at him that's an actual mm -hmm. thing that is like mm -hmm. an actual job that someone has yes. is to supply the matador with like his, another sword or with supplies and stuff like that and so you can kind of see that you can kind of see the poses and stuff like that that he has and how he like executes them and how he fights and stuff like that these are like matador moves that that mm -hmm. they learn how to do uh in like in in how to kill like and this uh, it usually would be a bull, but in this case, it's like a monster kaiju thing. Uh, and so, like, I I can now see how the the direction of the writer has been researched and has been done well. And the, the artist himself really cares about how this is executed as well. I also like that the story isn't isn't in Mexico. You get the... In the beginning, it takes place in Mexico, but then it makes its way to Guatemala. And mm -hmm. I really, really like that because I don't, I don't get, I don't see a lot of stories take place in Guatemala. Um, um, but in this case, the matador is after this like huge queen fly who has been terrorizing Guatemala with her brood. And, uh, and I, I got a, I got a sense it was more like a bee. No, it was a fly. They called it a fly. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I It's stuck in my head. By the way, I read this comic book in a Antonio Banderas accent. Oh, 100%. <laughs> the guy looks like Antonio Banderas. It's a, yeah. So, and like, let's not forget, like, Antonio Banderas is iconic for his roles in El Zorro, Spy Kids, and um, uh, 
and like a, he's he's a very well recognized face so i'm actually like i i it makes sense that they would use kind of use his face but i was honestly like very taken with it because like antonio banderas is like he's like really cool really suave and stuff like that and so when i saw it i was just like oh I get who this person is supposed to be and the impression that they're supposed to make because it's just it's it's something that you kind of know just like based on like you know what you've seen of him and like what your impression of him and what you know of him and the characters that he's played and stuff like that so you got when you've got El Zorro fighting for you I'm just like all right I see you I see you I I really really like this I really, really like that he got an artist who knows what they're doing because this, the paneling and everything, this is not from a newbie. This is someone who knows what they're doing. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, one of my favorite scenes, I sorry to cut you off, but one of my favorite scenes is the double spate, uh, the double paged. Uh, there was absolutely no um, dialogue, no narration or anything, and all you see is movement, and yes. that was amazing. How they and, portrayed and it was, movement uh, was really good movement and sometimes even shadows like it almost seemed like a kung fu movie but but it was with swords and kaiju it was just amazing i i I, that was one of my favorites i was like let me see this again i mean Mm -hmm. it was just so good i mean just the jumping the tossing of the sword the 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 um the zoom in on the sword i mean it was just so good i mean i I, after that i was just like oh my god i love this this is Mm -hmm. so good um um, I love also how they have the other matador who, when the the attack started, the, it happened in Sao Paulo. Mm-hmm. So there's they're all over the world. This is happening, and we're getting a sense of everything. And then in the end, we go to what is it? South Africa? Uh, no, I forgot what. They're in Guata- They're in Guatemala for the majority of it. No, but at the end, there there there's a scene where they're somewhere in Africa I want to say South Africa but I'm not sure but it, I greatly enjoyed the, the oh yeah they're in South Africa it's a, it, it's a, gonna be a worldwide uh, kind of like it, and, I, and I love that because you know how like when there's like the ap- apocalypse they kind of center oh it's only in the United States or you know it's you know like this is gonna be like worldwide attacks of these monsters and is it's it, it it's this is a good beginning yeah it to seems, what i think is going to be a great series uh-huh it seems each country has its own response and it seems like the generality of La, latin america has matadores and it's uh, what the impression that we get towards the end of the book is that south africa has like uh like old school hunters like that mm-hmm. like use like you know like the guns and scopes and stuff like that. I and I think that's really interesting. Like you said, it's like a worldwide problem, but each kind of country is addressing it in its own unique manner that's kind of like historical to them. So I think that I think that's really really cool. Um and I know a lot of people were just like why are they using swords? Can't they use guns? They actually do use guns. Um uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, in like in one of the scenes like there that that we see is that you have the matador but it, but he doesn't say no to help. And I think that's like really mm-hmm. important is that he's just a, like 
Or like, oh yeah, no, I need help. Like, please, like, I'm gonna need horses. I'm gonna need y'all to distract this. And then I'm gonna, like, go and, like, kill, like, the big boss and stuff like that. Um, uh, but I'm also gonna have my other Matador friend here to help me with. And I think that's something that you don't see in a lot of, like, kind of, like, action comics and stuff like that. Or just, like, action in general. It's, like, the main dude and he's, like, all powerful. And he's just like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this. And, like, I'm gonna be, like, the number one, the hero. Whereas this one, he's just so, like, yeah, no, I need the community's help please help me and then we can destroy this like I can like yeah I'm gonna take down the big boss but I'm not gonna do it alone and I really really like that sense of community uh that they were able to portray honestly uh there's some we've reviewed a lot of books and we some of them good some of them really bad um uh and some (laughs) of them that are just like in this nice in between of it could be good solid idea but there's usually something lacking be there whether it be experience whether it be a good artist whether it be something's a good writer like the art could be good that they could have a solid idea but just the writing is not there or just lacking an editor but in this one he really really like he got himself he got himself an artist he got himself a letter he got himself a proofreader and i think that really like like really like when like he wanted this idea done and he wanted to put it out in the world and I remember uh, I remember him saying that or one of the people that we interviewed is that they put it out because they wanted it out in the world uh, in a manner of speaking but sometimes just putting it out there is sometimes that's not how it 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 doesn't work because well you have the idea and you have put it out there which is great sometimes the best thing that you can do is admit that hey I can't do this alone I'm gonna just like the monster matador just like the monster matador (laughs) and I'm really really glad that he got himself somebody who could work with him and somebody who could edit his work as well for him because the idea was solid uh, but he I think he tried to do everything by himself in the beginning and you could see that and what what came out was something that was very much a rough draft now you now we can see this book as it was meant to be portrayed and is a truly inspiring tale of kaiju and monsters and community and I think that's really good. I cannot I was actually really I I'm going to be real. I didn't want to review the book because I remembered <laughs> the first one and I was not impressed with it at all. I was just like, "Oh my god, Sarah, how could you do this to me? How how why why are we going to be revisiting a book that I thought was not that good?" Um but I'm eating my words and I can now genuinely say that I enjoyed the story and I want to read more of it. I completely agree. I mean, um in the first uh, installment of Monster Matador where he had the daughter uh, Adelita who lost her mother and he was in a depression. Uh, I think what he wanted to portray is that men do experience depression, but it was so prolonged in the first issue that it hurt the character more than made him endeared to the reader, especially Mm -hmm. as a woman. We're like, take care of our kid. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? Why are you in bed all day? Take care of our kid. Um, I think for five years, wasn't he like depressed for five years? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And you know what? (laughs) And instead of pa- endearing parents him, can be depressed, but they still gotta get shit done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they still have to get up and warm the milk. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, like I said, instead of endearing the 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 main character 
to the reader, we just felt kind of like appalled that he wouldn't take care of his daughter. Mm -hmm. And so um, it, it was nice that he mourned his wife's soul for longingly and for many, many years and almost threw himself in the grave with her. But they have a little daughter, and that was one of the main issues I had. And in cutting that that storyline, in and just having it as an intro, with the dialogue between the daughter and the and the uncle, that kind mm -hmm. of propelled you to know what kind of man este matador is. Mm -hmm. And that's I what, liked that. I yeah, loved I that. Really I really liked that. that. I really liked that development as well. But it's also. It's also a, very, a story that's very common with a lot of immigrant families. And Lord knows that have parents who leave their kids behind with family because they're on a journey to make something, mm -hmm. to either, and better, to try to make their life better. And that's kind of how you can see this as well, is that he is going on a journey to make his her life better instead of, you know, going to another country. He's killing monsters and stuff like that who have been ravaging the world. And I just, I... I I like that. I I like that. Um, um, and it's a and it's a story that is very common and very relatable, but that very much goes unsaid in our community is about mm -hmm. the family that's left behind. And I like that there was an allusion to this um, uh, mm -hmm. in this book. And so I don't know if it was intentional or not, uh, but I'm definitely drawing that conclusion because I like it. Uh, I li mm -hmm. I I like it like that. So. Um, are we ready to review the book? I just want one more thing. I just wanted sure. to say one more thing. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I really love how there's a part where they're rounding up everyone to mm -hmm. fight. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, men get armed and everybody else take cover. And then this woman's like, these monsters took everything from me. They took my family and everything. And so this woman is going to fight. Mm -hmm. and, and immediately they're like, I am so sorry. I... I I came from a different time, mm -hmm. but what I'm trying to say is every person who wants to fight is going to fight. Mm -hmm. So, like, they made that distinction that there are some people who may still think kind of like the old-fashioned way men fight, you know. Mm -hmm. But when this woman stood up, it's like, I'm going to fight too. This man said, you know what? Let me take that back. You're right. People, let's all fight, you know. So, mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of a really beautiful kind of nod to the changing of a, a person who maybe grew up in a different time, mm -hmm. but can, you know, assimilate to change. And especially when you're battling, you know, monsters. Mm -hmm. I thought that was great. I that uh, was, okay. That, yeah. that stood out to me too, actually, to when I was well. reading it. Because we yeah. have we have two characters, actually. We have um, uh, a younger woman and an older woman who are both fighting. And one of them, she looks really, really cool because she's got like a cigarette, like a big old, not, not a cigarette, a cigarrillo. Like a like a proper one, uh, and she's like, and she's got like a machete, and she's like hacking it away, and then you can you hear like like or you read like the other people are like they're like hey like leave some for us like you're making us all all of us look bad, and it's just but it's something that is um, um that I really appreciated because it was kind of like a like it's not just like men who are fighting it's also the women and it's just mm -hmm. not young women but also older women people who are just they're fighting for their community and for their way of life uh that mm -hmm. is being disturbed by these like monsters and i i really did enjoy that you're right that i think that should go that should be applauded as well because i enjoyed it 
Most definitely. So before we do review it and give our rating, I just wanted to actually talk about the creators themselves because we're just kind of saying he and they and whatever. But um, this book was written by Stephen Prince and he actually doesn't come from a comic background. He used to work in the toy industry oh, wow. uh, where he managed and developed toy lines and animation projects. So um, that's kind of his background. And the artist for this particular um, project is an independent comic artist uh, who is Brazilian. So, oh, wow. Yes, so that is um, super cool, and uh, I think it says here that he actually worked for um, Action Lab. He um, he had some projects and was critically acclaimed for uh, an Action Lab project called Danger. It was a Danger Zone series called Banjax. So. Uh, and then uh, apparently Stephen Prince is a Mexican citizen. That's what it says here on the website. Okay. Very cool. So it's someone. It's someone who definitely knows. Um, uh, no. Uh, yeah. So. Oh, and also, sorry, I wasn't. I, I don't want to leave off the colorist. Uh, her name is Alex Zeif, Zeif and she um, is based in Mexico City. Um, and she's colored for, um, American Mythology Press. Oh, yeah. And as well as comics, including Ms. Valkyrie and Ramos. Um, and then let's see, there's some other people who were, uh, some I'm other so colorists. So, I'm sorry, it's a Puiz Calzada who is a Mexican citizen. Apologies. Okay, so oh, not okay. Stephen Prince. <laughs> so not yeah, Stephen Prince. Not Stephen okay. Prince. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So um but there's a lot of people that were involved uh, uh in this project uh, as opposed to um I don't know a, either maybe a single person or a smaller group of people in the original one that we read. So um I uh, and Stephen actually uh refers to this project as a mashup between Mad Max and Godzilla. So <laughs> I feel like that's pretty accurate. Yeah, that's, that's pretty really accurate. That's pretty accurate. Yeah, it's Godzilla meets Mad Max. <laughs> oh, it, you know, if you pick up this book, it's available at Heidi Ho Comics. Is that correct, Kristen? Yes, we do have copies at Heidi Ho. And uh, I don't know, is there a cover price on there, Jen, on the book? There is. It is three ninety nine. So, $3.99 at, uh, and this, uh, on this particular cover, it says this is the first issue out of three. Mm -hmm. So it looks like they'll be wrapping up this story arc in three issues. Yeah, and actually, issue number two is already out. He successfully kickstarted issue number two, and they're all, they're also available, uh, online as well, uh, if you want to oh, pick cool. up the story. Uh, no word on when they're going to be starting issue number three, but the fact that they successfully kickstarted issue number one and issue number two, I think, speaks for mm -hmm. itself so they're probably gonna kickstart issue number three and then maybe see if they can gather it all up in a graphic novel for you know, yeah uh, for everything or if the, if the issue there might not be an issue number three they're like hey do you want to like just get the whole thing in one big thing in one graphic novel the issue number three yeah. might just be the trade paperback because uh, i've seen some kickstarters do that mm -hmm. but it's um uh, 
it's it's really good. I, I yeah, I'm actually I'm def- very impressed with it. I it's really really good. It's super cool, and also I wanted to point out that in the first issue, there's some um, some art artists who put in some artwork, and one of them is Christine Shin. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, she did yeah. some pinups. There was some pinups yeah, in the back. Pinups, that's what they're called. Yeah, uh, I was like really um, surprised to see that in the back. I, it's always a nice surprise to recognize some of these artists, uh, some of our local artists here in yeah. the LA area. Uh, contributing to other local artists in the LA area. So I, I love the way that we are all a very tight-knit community and we're very supportive. And I just love this new, um, what would you call it, rebirth of Monster Mataron. <laughs> so I'm, you know what, I can't wait to hear about the third issue being kickstarted. I'm definitely going to um, back it. So I guess we're ready to actually rate the comic. Mm-hmm. So, Jen, let's start with you. Uh, I'm going to give it three conchas. Three conchas and a cup of champurrado. Because it's... I I don't think we were the only one who gave it the criticisms of the first one that we did. He must have gotten other criticisms as well. That he took to heart. And um, um But the story that we have is vastly different. And it's a lot, lot better. Uh, now that he has, uh, like, an art... Uh, like, a proper artist and everything. Um... But I'm I'm glad that he was willing to give he didn't give up on his idea. Honestly, that I think that's the best thing is that he didn't give up on his idea and that he wanted it he wanted it out there. So kudos kudos to everyone uh involved in the project. You made an amazing work. Three conchas and a cup of champurrado. I'm gonna second that um rating because I really love the artwork. I love the way the story is flowing now. I Real, I just it, it it's a whole different book, but the same idea. It's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. A, a, a a and it's like a phoenix rising from the ashes. It's completely amazing <laughs> right now. It's just uh, the rebirth of this is super great, and this just goes to show you if somebody has a passion for something, they're not gonna give up on it, and they're gonna give it to you like even better. They're gonna come back fighting. You know, I, I love it. It's uh, you know, I am so overjoyed that he he came back and he's giving us a complete story arc in three issues that's amazing mm-hmm. i love it so yeah. yeah that's my rating what's yours kristen so uh yes this is kristen and i was very engaged with this book from the beginning um and you because we had read uh the first go round before there were hints of familiar familiarity to me but so much more fleshed out and so much more relatable and so much more um endearing uh with character development and all of that um and i really enjoyed this is one thing that i think that people who don't come from a comic background a, a pit that they fall into they try to tell you the story in dialogue and exposition instead of through picture or through uh, memories of other characters sharing stuff. And I think that this um, second go-round of the book did a lot better 
um, job of telling the story, but in a way that was a um, way better developed than what we saw the first time. Um, and like I said, I was engaged from the beginning. I'm really interested to, to keep reading. I'm really excited that we have it at Heidi Ho and that I can hand sell it to people because I've read it and I know what it's about. And um, I also give it uh, three conchas and a cup of champurado. All right, guys, that has been our book review. All right, guys, it's now time for On My Radar. And Kristen, you are going to share with us On My Radar. Yes, so this week, um, there is a book that came out that um, kind of, like, passed by me and I didn't really get, um, it was on my radar until a customer called and asked if we had it and unfortunately we hadn't ordered it and so I had to look it up and it was it's called a girl walks home alone at night and number one was new this week it came out on Wednesday uh, and um, it's by a very very small publisher called behemoth uh, and so we generally do not order books from um, from small publishing companies because there's so many. There's so many small publishing companies that if we took risks on all the number ones, we would go out of business uh, mm -hmm. because um, there would just be so many left on the wall because, you know, people people have their favorites, you know, Marvel DC, and then you go down to Image, and then, you know, Aftershock, and then there's some even smaller ones than that. But for the most part, the smaller ones get lost. But this book, caught my eye when I read the description and the fact that it was on a customer's radar as well. And so this is the description of the book. Strange things are afoot in Bad City, the Iranian ghost town, home to prostitutes, junkies, pimps, and other sordid souls, is a bastion of depravity and hopelessness where a lonely vampire quote-unquote, the girl, stalks the town's most unsavory inhabitants. So it is a trope that you see a, a lot. Mm -hmm. um, vampires with con a conscious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> angel. The, the angel trope, if you uh, will. <laughs> but I am a sucker for a good vampire story um, and a female uh, lead vampire I am really interested in. Um, it's had, this comic is sold out on um, Diamond. I tried to oh, order wow. it when this customer um, inquired about it and the uh, first issue, first printing of a couple of different covers is completely sold out which is not rare with small publishing companies because they mostly just hit their their goal to get it onto diamond and then that's it but i'm hoping that that means that it was so popular and that the hype around it has grown so much that they are going to um maybe do a second printing um but the covers themselves are super super cool and i i'm really really uh interested to read it i want to try to get my hands on it um but i have um 
I have it on my radar and I really am interested to um, to learn more about it. So if any of you out there listening uh, get a chance to read it, uh, definitely uh, let me know what you think. And now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Jen, I, you've been the queen of Juntos y Fuertes for <laughs> these past few months. Just lay it on us. Well... Today on my radar is another anthology series, and it's called It Gets Even Better, Stories of Queer Possibilities. And it's an anthology of speculative short fiction about positive queer possibility. Um, uh, It's stories that uh, feature near future social, political, or technological change, far future imaginings of new societies, alternate universes with completely different systems of gender and relationships, alternate histories proposing better outcomes for true events of the past, uh, creative explorations of queer identity, uh, any kind of speculative fiction that posits queer affirmation and joy. So, it is, it's, it's a speculative fiction for basically a more positive outcome to all aspects of being queer. Um, it, ha- it has a goal of $23,000 and it is currently about a third of the way through it at 8305 It has 239 backers with 46 wow. days to go. So it already has like a lot of backers. So it's, um, uh, I think it's something that definitely, um, uh, should be on people's radar because it's you don't see that a lot speculative fiction speculative fiction is usually reserved for like what if the nazis won or blah 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 and like all that other depression shit like uh i i would i would like a story that is about like hey what if like you know oscar wilde wasn't prosecuted for being gay or whatever yeah or like or what if you know like being gay wasn't like taboo in most societies and stuff like that i like those kinds of stories and this is what this is kind of like uh giving us right here uh and you can pledge you the starting there's a starting pledge of like two dollars where it's just you supporting the supporting the project and then there's uh, then it jumps up to ten dollars where you can get the ebook so but it starts off pretty cheap at two dollars like you just you just want to say like hey i supported and stuff like that um um, and you like get a sticker or something like that but if you Mm -hmm. want the book it's available at at ten dollars for the ebook and for a print copy you can back it at twenty five dollars or more which is what i committed myself to because i really want (laughs) yeah because i i i i like stories like that but it uh you can go to kickstarter and it's called it gets even better and it's actually on kickstarter's projects we love uh page as well so it is one that they themselves are promoting to like for positivity and stuff like that um I had I had um uh, done a uh, told of a Kickstarter that was about speculative fiction before, but that was like for Latinx um uh, mm-hmm. people and for like dreamers and immigrants and stuff like that. And I thought mm-hmm. that one was really really good and it's um uh, and it got fully funded. So I hope this gets fully funded too. And if you would like um uh, like any like queer positivity stories, I believe this is a good one to back. Awesome. I can't wait to that take a look awesome. at that Kickstarter. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for sharing that, Jen. Welcome. All right, guys. It's now time for saludos. And saludos goes out 
to Goat's Head Studio, guys. If <laughs> you guys, if you guys remember, these uh, Goat Head Studios is uh, the producer of Legends of Famora, and the reason why we are shouting them out is because I got my package from backing the Kickstarter, and so did Kristen. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> Like, I actually uh, stepped into the living room, and I was like, what is this box? And I'm like, what did I order? And <laughs> I did the same thing. <laughs> and then I saw, and I'm like, Goat's Head Studios. And then immediately I thought of beer, but it was... So I did, too! Oh, it my was, God. <laughs> it, 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 it was flat, so I was like, it's not beer. So, oh, well, mine was in a box, because I ordered six of them, and so it was pretty big. Oh, and so I was okay. like, oh, was it beer? <laughs> <laughs> So um, I will share the unboxing a little bit later on our Instagram, but uh, I'm very excited. Uh, we backed this project back a few months ago. If you remember, it was one of the very first uh, interviews we did on our mm -hmm. YouTube channel where we interviewed uh, the co-creator, a CEO of Goat's Head Studios. So check that out if you haven't. But saludos goes out to them. Uh, it's a wife and husband company, and uh, it, it's it's amazing what they're doing there. So saludos to Goat's Head Studios. And if you want to pick up your very own copy of Legends of Amora, please make sure to go out to Heidi Ho Comics. They have the mm -hmm. retailers pack, and they have plenty. Uh, available for the public. So, saludos to them, guys. Thank you so much. All right, girls, that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us? You can find us on Instagram at Comadres y Comics and also on Facebook at Comic Comadres. You can find us on Twitter at Comic Comadres where you can send us a DM anytime. Please, no dick pics. <laughs> Have we had any dick pics? No, thank God. Okay, good. Because I was going to say, why aren't you sharing? <laughs> uh, you could always email us directly at comadrecicomics at gmail.com. Our website, comadrecicomics.com, is in the works. Stay tuned. Also, you can follow us on Snapchat at comadrecicomics. Um, we are also doing something super cool with Quince. Kristen, what are we doing with with the bilingual definitive edition of Quince. Yes, so we have a signed copy signed by a lot of the contributors and creators and writers and artists of the hardcover definitive bilingual edition of Quince, all about Lupe, a 15-year-old Latina girl who receives her special superpowers on her quinceanera day and has to um, figure out how to balance being a superhero and a uh, basic everyday teenager in a Latina Latino family. So um, we have a copy of that to give away for free to people who like, subscribe, and leave reviews on their favorite streaming platform for our podcast. So please leave a review. Talk um, about how amazing we are, how you love us, how you can't live without us, or how maybe we just really suck. Either way, your name Tell will be put you into a drawing. Me. <laughs> Either way, your name will be put into a drawing, and um, we will pull out a winner. I believe in 
Oh, was it uh, December, what, January? It was when we got our new president. Oh. In January. <laughs> in January, in that's January. right. Okay, so um, so you have lots of time, but don't put it off. We want to hear what you have to say about Commodity Comics Podcast. Absolutely. And if you want to talk crap, please feel free to do so. We <laughs> want to hear your hate mail. I, I want to hear your hate mail. Sarah stutters too much. Let's do this. I'm a big girl. <laughs> I can take it. <laughs> Not me. Be nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> but having said so, I want to thank you guys for reviewing us and putting a comment down and doing all of that stuff. It really helps us to chart how our podcast is doing. So we really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Uh, again, thank you very much. Oh, we Yes. And yes. also, I was going to talk about Patreon. Yes. yes. <laughs> we are in the works of setting up a Patreon page. So that is still in the works as well as our website. It is to be declared, but it is uh, going to go up soon, TM. Um, um, you um, will be putting out more information when we have that more set up. Yes, definitely. So look for that in the mail, guys. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe us on um youtube we are gearing up to do more interviews and having them on our youtube page that's comadres y comics on youtube thank you so much for listening we have been your host i'm sarah i'm Kristen, and i'm jen bye guys thank you bye, bye. bye.